Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Outsmarting Infertility Podcast. Hey everyone, I've got some really exciting data from a new systematic review that was published uh, November 1st of this year. So very brand new systematic review and meta-analysis. And they looked at over 20 clinical trials uh, when they put together this systematic review and meta-analysis and used all the data from these different studies to give us a better understanding of one of the more cost-effective therapies to help manage symptoms of PCOS and also significantly improve chances of conception for patients that are experiencing infertility and also have a diagnosis of PCOS. Now, it's very important to mention um, while PCOS, uh, polycystic ovarian syndrome, can be quite common, um, rates estimating that might, uh, might uh, affect as much as 6% to 21% of different populations, uh, depending on which part of the globe we look at, which when we look at the higher, and it's almost one out of five patients uh, in that study group would have PCOS. That's significant because PCOS isn't just a cause of infertility, it's also significantly associated with increased risk of cardiovascular disease, anxiety, depression, and diabetes, among other health conditions. So we're looking at an endocrine uh, condition that's very common and can significantly affect fertility, but as well as various other uh, health parameters, which can um, either reduce risk of quality of life or if managed well, improve quality of life. So it's really looking at interventions like we see from these new studies on whether patients with PCOS can feel like they're thriving, healthy, um, and feeling like it's not, uh, you know, PCOS is not an obstacle um, to their day-to-day -day life, um, as opposed to patients who always feel fatigued, tired, um, have uh, anxiety or depression with the PCOS, um, and that is estimated or uh, believed to be related to a variety of factors from increased levels of inflammatory markers, worse glucose or blood sugar control, increased insulin resistance, uh, just to name a few. Um, but managing the symptoms of PCOS is very crucial. So I often see patients that have PCOS and there are, they are jumping straight into medication or assisted reproductive technologies and why um, you know, while each case is different, we also have to take a step and take a moment to discuss and recognize that various countries, um, over I believe 30 countries just in the last couple of years, have updated guidelines now to recommend um, lifestyle changes and dietary adjustments as a first line therapy for patients with PCOS if they're experiencing difficulty uh, uh, conceiving. So, you know, that's a huge shift from our current look at how to treat infertility. It's not just always jumping straight into the most invasive treatment option. We have to look at some of these lifestyle choices, dietary adjustments, and not just any lifestyle and dietary, because the frustration I um, understand that my patients communicate to me is that I often have gone to a healthcare provider and they've been told, well, just lose weight or, you know, just do a diet. And it's not just losing weight, it's not just doing a diet. We're looking at specific evidence-based changes um, to really improve your chances of conception and improve symptoms of PCOS. And that involves clinical symptoms, so obvious observational features like hirsutism, uh, but also uh, biochemical changes, so changes in blood work, hormone levels, uh, pointing to the direction that things are actually starting to improve, that we're having improved management of the PCOS. So 
And I, I think the numbers that we see in these studies are absolutely mind-blowing. So just to compare, um, using evidence-based lifestyle dietary adjustments um, was associated with an increased chance of a clinical pregnancy. And this was a significant um, difference. So we saw patients that engaged in these evidence-based uh, interventions were 2.87 times, almost three times more likely to have a positive clinical pregnancy compared to patients that didn't follow these interventions. And we're talking about, you know, potentially tripling the chance of someone trying to conceive and it didn't involve any uh, pharmaceutical intervention. It did not int uh, include any, um, you know, significant um, invasive therapy. We're just talking about low cost, dietary adjustments, lifestyle adjustments um, that are accessible to really many patients um, on a day-to-day -day basis without having to invest thousands of dollars. Um, so it's very important we not only just talk about this as, you know, it's not to replace fertility treatments, it's to include it. And <laughs> we see significant changes in, in likelihood of patients conceiving just from making these simple changes. Imagine, you know, if they had done a study of patients doing these changes and also going for um, to a clinic, to, clinic uh, to receive support for the treatment of infertility and better management, more specific management on a case-to-case -case basis um, for PCOS and looking at you know that individual's blood work, hormone levels, and how to actually support that patient in having a reg regular ovulation and improving their chances of conception. So, you know, just with these evidence-based dietary changes, and really important to mention, uh, when they reviewed these 20 clinical trials there was no evidence to suggest that caloric restriction actually improved reproductive outcomes in any way. So they saw that caloric restriction may have improved um, some of the hormone levels, particularly decreasing free androgen index, so how much, how much free testosterone um, there is available in the blood. Uh, but this is not the same as an increase in pregnancy rates, for example. So for patients that are trying to conceive, decreasing calories may not actually be associated with an improvement in, in um, reproductive function. I see that a lot in my practice too. Having done thousands of consults, we see patients just by reducing uh, calories doesn't actually necessarily translate into improved uh, metabolic parameters, hormone levels, or chances of conception. In fact, sometimes we I see patients who have uh, for five years to a decade or more have been on a, a restricted caloric diet of 1200 calories, 1300 calories a day. So not only are they malnourished, they're also not seeing any improvement in their symptoms of PCOS. And so we need to change that and actually make proper evidence-based um, recommendations that actually have clinical trials backing up um, you know, why we want to make those changes and what are the objective measures we're hoping to see um, in that patient as well. Um, obviously the most important uh, parameter we want to measure is pr uh, clinical pregnancy rate. And the clinical pregnancy, by the way, is not just uh, you know, there's a positive urine test uh, for pregnancy or a positive blood test. If there's a positive blood test for a, a elevated or increased, increasing beta HCG level, and there's a, an ultrasound that confirms the pregnancy and can detect a fetal heart rate. So we're seeing not just chemical pregnancies, but a, pro a positive clinical pregnancy is really already well into that first trimester. So it's a huge change. And for miscarriage rate, um, of these 20 clinical trials, only two studies uh, looked at changes in miscarriage rate, so there weren't actually a lot of participants in just those two studies, but they saw a modest 3% reduction in the chances of miscarriage for patients 
when they included the dietary interventions um, compared to the control group that, they, that did not um, introduce those dietary interventions. Um, and same with menstrual regularity. Uh, patients who had engaged in the treatment group and had made dietary adjustments um, for 12 months were actually found um, to have, I think, about a 70% or 75% um, increased um, chance or likelihood of having menstrual regularity compared to patients that didn't. And this is one of the main obstacles for PCOS. It's that patients don't even get that opportunity to try and conceive because they aren't ovulating. So once you start having regular menstruation, regular ovulatory function, um, there's all of a sudden within a span of a year, instead of having two menstrual periods, uh, for example, where there's two ovulatory windows, there might be 10 or nine ovulatory windows all of a sudden. So chances have now significantly gone up of actually conceiving. So these dietary adjustments are, uh, we're seeing more and more uh, crucial and very important to speak uh, in more detail about. And even in this systematic review, they didn't just talk about one type of dietary intervention, they talked about four or five. And we're seeing different dietary inter interventions do different things for patients with PCOS. So depending on each individual patient, their blood work, whether they have insulin resistant, in, uh, excuse me, insulin resistance, increased inflammation, increased uh, free androgen index um, or hirsutism, we're seeing that different dietary changes may actually be more applicable to specific subgroups of patients with PCOS because polycystic ovarian syndrome isn't a one-size-fits-all um, card. It's actually very different um, depending on, on uh, the patient. So we see different types of PCOS and different symptoms of PCOS that are more present than uh, others in different patients. And so it's very important that the treatment for PCOS is also tailored to your specific needs and to your specific blood work to make sure it's actually targeting the root cause um, that might be triggering or might be worsening the PCOS specifically for you. So if you're trying to conceive and you have a polycystic ovarian syndrome, dietary interventions are a must. Uh, to have a discussion about and to see how they may be applicable or may not be applicable. You might already be doing all the right things, uh, but at least to have that detailed conversation with a licensed naturopathic doctor that can help guide you through this. As always, if you guys have any questions or concerns, always feel free to contact us. Otherwise, I hope you have a wonderful rest of your day. The information covered in this podcast is for educational purposes only. It is not a replacement for medical consultation or medical advice. Please speak with your licensed healthcare provider prior to making any changes to your treatment plan and or medications. Thank you.